Welcome to the Beasley Academy podcast, Risk in the Digital Age. In this series, we explore the fast-changing nature of risks around the world. I'm your host, Mary MacDonald. Today, we're joined by three underwriters from Beasley's London office, who are looking closely at the risks and opportunities developing within the fast-growing digital health space. Andrew Page is an international healthcare underwriter. He's been with Beasley for almost 10 years. Kirsten Shastri, an underwriter who joined Beasley in 2019, has a scientific background in specifically life sciences. And Carl Oliver, a cyber underwriter within Beasley's private enterprise team here in London. Welcome. Hello. Hello. So our topic today is virtual care and how technology is changing the healthcare landscape. Specifically, how digital technology is being used more widely to both monitor and manage health and the implications for insurance and risk management. Andrew, perhaps we can start with you by explaining what what do we mean by virtual care? Well, virtual care is an area of insurance and particularly healthcare that in this day and age, we're more connected than we've ever been in terms of the data that we're capturing around around health and wellness. And this ranges from anything from uh, remote consultations um, or telemedicine between doctors and patients by a video link. It can even be, um, you know, cross-border, cross-continent, but it, it also goes down to um, the health and wellness apps, you know, anything from heart rate or even even your scales in your bathroom that that take your you know take your weight and heart rate and so on and so forth some some even test air quality i think the main thing about virtual care is that it's it's tech companies that are modernizing the industry basically so they're bringing it into the 21st century the main thing that we look at is the risks that also brings the people that are the forefront of this as the university science park tech companies they're right at the forefront of of the the tech and uh, you know the medical frontier, but mm. actually they're not necessarily aware of their insurance requirements. So in that in that sense, they're almost behind the curve, in, even though they're so far ahead in terms of technology and and creating this new this new tech world that we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's two different fields that we're seeing. It's it's tech startups um, that are entering into the space and trying to bring it forward. And there's also healthcare companies that realise that technology is something they probably should be embracing and then trying to embrace it. So it's, that's virtual care is trying to pick up everything that those different types of companies are trying to, um, trying to achieve. I also think there's a challenge for all of us in insurance and in the tech and medical space where we have to work together to find the right solution. And that's definitely what we're trying to do. But it is a continuous conversation rather than here is a policy, please take it. Um, you may not understand all the offering that we have. Alternatively, the scientific experts saying, this is a product, please ensure it. We have to work together to kind of get the right product in place. Thanks, Kirsten. Um, perhaps you could elaborate a little bit more on um, what's actually driving growth within the virtual care sector and, and how insurers are responding. Yeah, definitely. So virtual care is not new. Um, there have been a lot of products coming around where we need to be providing appropriate insurance cover for. For example, uh, there was a very early example of telemedicine in North America, where in order for hospitals to speak to each other, they needed some sort of linking between uh, patients who can't get to the hospital every day, doctors wanting to check in with patients who are very far away. This was actually in Nebraska. 
So now medical devices are becoming more sophisticated. We have technology for diagnostic use, which also brings around additional risk to the table. So hacking is always something that comes up in the news a lot, and I'm sure Carl will talk about later. There are a lot of really amazing examples of preventative apps um, in the medical industry where, for example, you can check your blood glucose levels and make sure that you aren't at risk of becoming diabetic. We also have real-time monitoring and information sharing. So we can have a face-to-face conversation with a doctor via a Skype call, which is fantastic. And so much of society now is instant. You want instant results. You want to instantly be able to see a doctor and not think, oh, I've got to go in and book for an appointment in two weeks' time. One more thing just to add, we need to be aware of the fact that with these technologies, there are inherently risks associated with them. Yeah, and I think definitely from a life science point of view, you know, understanding the cyber element as well is the health risk. So when we talk about diabetic glucose monitors, if they don't work properly, that patient could die because they may not get the right insulin levels. So I think about it from that point of view, but we look at the the hacking exposure, et cetera, on the other side and making sure the app is working, for example, and the medical device is working properly. There are so many different aspects of risk that maybe people didn't think about when they first created this kind of opportunity in the medical field. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's obviously such a fast-moving sector at the moment, but Carl, perhaps you could talk a little bit more about some of the trends that you're seeing from a cyber perspective. So I guess this kind of ties into the the supply and demand aspect again uh, in terms of trends. I mean, I'm wearing two wearables myself. (laughs) So I think, yeah, the trends are what what people want. So they want data. They want data-informed decisions in their lives. In terms of the data, though, that's very important that... I personally want to make sure that the wearables data that's being collected on me is held securely. I mean, th- these these things know more about me than I do myself. That's a massive thing when it comes to cyber. It's the personal health information, which is as sort of sensitive as, as payment card information. Yeah, and I think also talking about this industry, it has literally grown. It's exploded. We were looking at, I think it was about 60 billion in 2018, which was a forecast for the digital health market. And it's predicted to grow to £400 billion by 2025, of which the UK will account for about £20 billion. So it's a really big market that we can't really ignore, especially in the UK. Um, we are kind of a centre of excellence as a country for medical development and innovation. And there is a high level of investment, not only from government funding, but also from private companies who are investing in us and our growth and the potential. We have a lot of amazing scientists in the country. And there's also great demand for equally innovative approaches to insurance. We are the market that have to develop alongside the products that we see in order to help them with managing their risk. Another exciting thing that we've seen in the news recently is using artificial intelligence for basically deciding what new pharmaceutical drugs we could develop. So it's almost going back in time and looking at all the different active pharmaceutical ingredients there are in the world and repurposefully making new drugs with the information that we have on the different ingredients. There's actually been recently uh, a clinical trial, which is uh, soon to go underway, which is actually using the different ingredients um, that were chosen for via artificial intelligence instead of, you know, just people making decisions, which I think is really exciting. Andrew, you're a healthcare liability underwriter. So I was kind of wondering how much is 
digital technology impacting all of your clients right across the book? I think it's impacting clients across the board. Mm. As we've said, the the digital aspect of wellness is almost expected these days. Certainly in the private space, it means you're not keeping up with your peers. It definitely impacts across across the board. Obviously, it's, it's a pretty fast moving um, fast moving area as it develops there's whole new sectors of of, of healthcare and wellness that, that are almost not quite being created overnight but it's not far off it i think regulation is also going to increase over time and it's really important that you have a policy in place that actually can adapt and grow with you as a company again those growth figures are enormous um so potentially if you're if you're the company at the peak of your powers if you like your, your policy needs to be able to grow with you as well. So it's really important the insurance aspect matches your company's growth and the growth in potential exposure as well. So as we're sitting here, we are in the midst of a global pandemic that will be directly impacting some of the organisations within this space. Can you explain how some of them are going to be feeling the impact at the moment? I think there's obviously going to be a, a real increase in their demand for their services. And I think that the virtual care entities that we've been talking about here can really help step in at this point and help ease that disruption hopefully yeah i agree with that and also having the opportunity to do a remote consultation is not only safer for the doctor but also kind of safer for the patient and a lot of people probably originally when that kind of new technology came in probably people were reluctant maybe from the medical side of view to get on board with remote consultations but I think right now people are probably really really happy that that is an option but also it means you can get non-emergency situations out of the GP kind of surgeries and the hospitals you know if I wanted to call and get a repeat prescription I can do that through an app rather than going and waiting in a doctor's surgery where I could potentially be someone who could have coronavirus and I could give it to someone else so I think we are kind of mitigating the risk just want to caveat that again obviously by saying it's great that these tech companies these healthcare companies can can help at this time but the companies themselves need to be aware of what they're doing the exposure they're putting themselves into and the people that consume their services also need to be aware of the exposures there in terms of giving their information away it's a case of making sure they've got the proper policies in place when they need it you have highlighted quite a number of um, clear opportunities that virtual care and digital health can bring. But what about when things actually do go wrong? Um, what are some of the claims trends that we're already seeing within this sector? I think I think I mentioned a few moments ago that because it's an emerging industry, that, that some businesses, because they are so new and startup and you know so forward looking, they're they're not really aware about the risk landscape. Healthcare providers that are, are long established and and you know, in the typical healthcare structure, you know, physical surgeries, actually seeing patients, you know, face to face, they're really aware of their healthcare risks in terms of, you know, they've got their medical malpractice implies, they've got their, li- you know, general liability for trips and falls, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the additional exposures that come from the virtual care arena, the virtual healthcare and wellness arena, I think that these clients aren't fully aware of, of their risk landscape. And the important thing is, is it is constantly emerging as well. I'll let Andrew sort of own the uh, bodily injury, sort yeah. of med, med mal aspect yeah. of it. From my point of view on the, on the cyber side, it's 
definitely, like I said earlier, it's personal health information. That's what we're seeing exposed or sort of as quite an attractive proposition to, to hackers or the wrong sort of people, unfortunately. So personal healthcare information is obviously inherent within the virtual care arena. So that's where we're seeing the sort of the biggest exposure on the cyber side. I think also talking about the medical malpractice, obviously, sometimes you're going to be having uh, a consultation through the phone with a doctor and obviously there is room for error there. But if we look at it from a product's liability point of view, people are trying to bring technology into the home and give medical devices to people who are not not trained, you know, medical individuals so that they have the opportunity to take some kind of control, checking their insulin levels like I spoke about before or using their iPhones to take photos of a mole that they were slightly concerned about. Maybe the picture quality was quite poor and there is room for error of that picture being taken and then being sent to, you know, a medical professional. And the idea and and everything around that product being put in place, the app, you know, the actual, if it's a medical device that attached onto your phone to the actual conversation with the doctor and the doctor reviewing the picture that you've sent that may not always go perfectly to plan as anticipated. So there has to be room for error there and there has to be insurance in place for when it doesn't go properly. Sure, I feel like there's a lot of themes that we could pick out for a whole series of podcasts on virtual care. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But to draw things to a conclusion for today, maybe you could each share a final thought. I think one of the main things from my point of view is this is ongoing education. Like I said before, it's a constant communication and constant conversation. And we just need to form strong partnerships with the kind of client to ensure that the insurance continues to meet the needs of the virtual care sector. We are very actively going to events and learning more and more about new and amazing products that are coming our way. I think my takeaway is that it is a constantly evolving space, uh, and I've said this before, and, and it's really important that we partner with, with people and and we evolve together in terms of both the, the, the services they're offering and the, the insurance products. So they need to grow together, and, and I think we're, we're definitely able to do that. So I'd say, obviously, virtual care is great. It's a revolutionary area, which, as I say, some might say it's, it's, it's necessary and maybe overdue. It's there to make our lives healthier, but there are risks that need to be considered. Okay, thanks, Kirsten, Andrew and Carl for joining us today. And thank you to you all for listening. I hope it's been an enjoyable podcast. To learn more about this topic and others, please visit BeasleyAcademy.com for an extensive library of videos, podcasts and blog posts. I'm Mary MacDonald. This has been a Beasley Academy podcast for Risk in the Digital Age. This podcast is for preliminary informational purposes only. Coverage is subject to each policy's terms and conditions. For additional information about Beasley, please visit beasley.com.